Well, today we're continuing our series entitled Verses. In this series, we're exploring choices in life. Are we going to do this or that? Are we going to go here or there? Often in life, we're faced with decisions about what we're going to do. And sometimes the choices that we make are very simple. Simple choices like uh, where we're going to shop, what we're going to do on our day off. But often in life, there are decisions of great significance. Who we're going to marry, what job or career we're going to pursue, and whether we're going to decide to follow Jesus Christ with our life. Now, God entrusts us free will. He allows us to decide on the simple choices. But I've discovered that he wants to weigh in on the significant choices of life. He wants to speak into what you do with your life, the direction your life takes. And can I invite you to decide today that you're going to let God have a decision-making power in your life, that he has veto power over what you do and how you live? I can promise you that if you say yes to Jesus, he'll always give you better options that lead to a better life. I have found in my life that whenever I've gone my own way, I always end up regretting not listening to the Lord. But if you're willing to follow Jesus Christ, he'll ensure that you have a life of meaning and purpose and that he will advance you into the purpose that he has for you. Now in life, we can either choose a status quo life or a life of significance. And the way that we have a life of significance is not by accident. We have to be intentional about how we live. No one drifts into excellence. We have to be intentional about driving along the path that God has for us. And so today, if you want a life of significance, I want to challenge you to live purposefully. That's the title of my message today, Live Purposefully. Say it with me, Live Purposefully. I want to invite you to join me in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. We're looking at the word of God. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church, and he's saying... I want you to live purposefully. This word is true for us today. It wasn't just true for them, it's true for us today as well. So I want you to lean into this word. Listen carefully to what the word of God is saying to us today. Verse 11. He will always make you rich enough to be generous at all times, so that many will thank God for your gifts which they receive from us. For this service you perform not only meets the needs of God's people, but also produces an outpouring of gratitude to God. And because of the proof, and because of the proof which the service of yours brings, many will give glory to God for your loyalty to the gospel of Christ, which you profess, and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. And listen to this. This is the outcome. And so with deep affection, they will pray for you because of the extraordinary grace God has shown you. I've discovered that when you live a life of significance and purpose, people find a way of being grateful for how you live. Their life benefits from the fact that God is working in your life. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life of purpose. I want to see God move in my life, and I want to see him work through my life, and I pray the same passion would be in your heart today that you would say, God, I want to have a life of purpose. And I believe that if I align with you, I can have that life. 
If you're willing to say yes, he'll give you the life of your dreams. He'll exceedingly and abundantly bless you above him and beyond anything you can even ask or think. So I want to share with you today a couple of ways to live purposefully. Number one, live your faith. Live your faith. Now, for those of you who've grown up in church, many of you, you have heard about sharing your faith. I want to challenge you to live your faith. It's easy to share your faith, but it's a whole different thing to live out your faith. In fact, live out your faith and share your life. Share your life with other people. This is one of the reasons why we here at Westover, we encourage faith community. That's why we have life groups. There's something powerful that happens in faith community. You learn how to live your faith. You end up creating relationships with people who can encourage you in the, good, in the difficult times and can celebrate you in the, dif, in, the, in the good times as well. God intends for us to live our faith and to share our life. I have found, I have found that God intends for us to live out our faith each and every day. Here's a question I want you to consider. Can people see Jesus through how you live? When people look at your life, can they see that you're a believer in Jesus Christ? If not, I want to encourage you to live out your faith. Listen to what verse 13 of this passage, listen to what it says. And because of the proof, say proof. And because of the proof which this service of yours brings, many will give glory to God for your loyalty to the gospel of Christ which you profess. There's a connection between how you live and how people see your faith. Live out your faith in such a way so that people, when they see you, they say, that's a believer in Jesus Christ. I have a friend of mine who works on staff with us, but before he came on staff, he worked in corporate America. And he said that when he was in corporate America, he would go to lunch with his coworkers. And after a while, his coworkers said, you know what, you're a real believer in Jesus. I can see it through your life. And he said that was the greatest compliment I ever got when I was at work. Could it be said of you that you are a real believer in Jesus Christ? I hope that you can live a life that would demonstrate that. St. Francis of Assisi said this, Preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Preach the gospel with how you live. And if necessary, use words. People should see Jesus in you each and every day. Not just at home, not just at church, but in the workplace. And when you're driving along the road. If you want to know how someone's really living, just ride in the car in rush hour traffic. You'll find out what they're really all about. Make sure that people see Jesus in you. How can we do this? Number one, be better in private than in public. Be better in private than in public. People, as they get close to you, they should see Jesus in your life. They should experience Jesus. You may be the only Jesus that some people experience. Be better in private than in public. Don't let your public persona be better than your private personhood. What does that mean? That means that when you're in private, you should be better than when you're on a platform or, or when you're out in front of people. People should be able to know 
that you're the same in public that you are in private. For you see, charisma may open doors, but character keeps you in the room. Charisma may open the doors, but character keeps you in the room. Focus on your personal integrity. And whatever may be in your life that may compromise your integrity, be willing to kill it. Be willing to kill it. Whatever it is, if it's an attitude or a belief, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's a grudge, maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's pride. Whatever it is that gets in the way of you living your faith, be willing to kill it. For you see you will either repent privately or repent publicly. Oh man, I hope that you can hear this. God always exposes what's in the shadows. We must be willing to let the spotlight of God come into our heart in private moments because if not, he'll expose us publicly. He'll put the spotlight on us. Woe to us. We need to make sure that we live a life of character and integrity each and every day. Number two, Ensure your private life professes your faith. Make sure that your private life and your public life professes your faith. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said this in James chapter 2, verse 18. Now, keep in mind that James grew up with Jesus, and he saw Jesus' life. And so when you see this, you know that he's speaking about the character of who Jesus was because he saw Jesus in private. This is what he says in verse 18. Some of you may say to me, you have faith, but I have deeds. But this is what James responded. He said, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. We need to make sure to put feet to our faith. We need to make sure that our faith is lived out. We need to make sure that people see that we believe in Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I'm passionate about making sure that people see my faith is real. And I pray that that same passion would go into your heart. And I've been praying this entire week that the Holy Spirit would spark a fire in your heart to make sure that you live out your faith in front of people, that you put feet to your faith so that people can see that Jesus is real and that he can change lives. God wants to make sure that we do this in our life, and the Holy Spirit can help us. The Holy Spirit can help us. But it starts by us saying yes to Jesus. You don't get the influence and the infilling of the Holy Spirit without saying yes to Jesus Christ. And at the end of our service, we're going to give you that opportunity to say yes to Jesus so that you can live your faith. But if you want to learn more about who the Holy Spirit is, I want to invite you to come to Westover Equip, which is the second through the fourth Wednesdays at 7 p.m. right here and also online, where you can learn about who the Holy Spirit is. Pastor is going to continue to speak on the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, that first, that second Wednesday of March, the 10th, pastor is going to give people the opportunity to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. If you've been yearning to be filled with the Holy Spirit, or if it's been a while since you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, I want you to come. You, if you're afraid to be here and you need to socially distance, go up in the balcony, but be here so that God can fill you with his presence, so that he can give you the power that you need to accomplish the purpose that he's put before you. You know, I've discovered that when you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, he gives you extra margin. He gives you capacity to multiply time. I have found, I have found that whenever I connect to the Holy Spirit, he gives me insights that I don't get otherwise. Many of you have challenging jobs and your bosses put 
difficult uh, responsibilities on you, and you're wondering, how can, I all do, how can I do all that's been put before me? I've discovered that when you say yes to the Holy Spirit, what he does is he comes in and he gives you insights. Some of you need insights. Some of you need insights about how to repair your fractured marriage or how to reach your estranged adult child. If you need help, connect with the Holy Spirit. He will come in and he will help you. He will repair what's happening in your life. Another way to live purposefully and to put feet to your faith is to serve others generously. Say generously. Listen to verse 11 and 12. He will always make you rich enough to be generous at all times. For this service you perform meets the needs of God's people. I've discovered that God will bless you to be a blessing. He will bless you to be a blessing. You will be rich enough. You will have enough blessing for yourself, but also to be a blessing to other people. Don't be a swamp that just takes and never gives. Be a river of blessing where you receive blessing from God and blessing can go out from you to other people. God intends for us to be generous. God is generous to us, but he intends for us to be generous as well. God will always bless you with enough if you commit to be a blessing to other people. Now James In the verses preceding verse 18, this is what he says in verse 14 and following. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if some of you claims to have faith but have no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it it is not accompanied by action, is dead. What James is saying here is this, is you have to put feet to your faith. If you just have a faith that benefits you but not other people, that faith is dead. I'm not saying that. James is saying that. This is what the Word of God is saying. But I want to remind us, God wants us to show our faith by our deeds. Now, within the last two weeks, we have made a concerted effort to put feet to our faith. Now, we've always been a missional church. But we've, we've done something intentional in our own community to demonstrate the fact that we want to put feet to our faith. Now, last week, we talked a little bit about what happened here at Westover and how we were able, as a church, to be able to bless other people. But I'm here to give you an additional report. This past week, we had 100 volunteers come out for a food and water distribution event. We were able to bless 200 families in our community with food We were able to make available to the community a thousand cases of water. We wanted to make sure that people were blessed. And also last weekend, last weekend, listen to this. We were able to give out $50 gift cards to 300 families to make sure that they could make it through the week. They could buy groceries. They could provide for their family. I don't know about you, but that's something to be excited about. And your generosity is what made that happen. In fact... Last weekend, you all gave $29,000 to make a difference in the kingdom of God. And I say thank you, Westover. You have blessed people abundantly and above and beyond. And God is going to bless you because you're willing to be a blessing to other people. Verse 12 says this. For this service or ministry you perform meets the needs of God's people. How about you? I want my life to be a life of servants. I want to make sure that my life makes a difference in the lives of other people. Be willing to serve others generously. 
And if you want to learn how to serve others generously, we invite you to be a part of Growth Track. The whole purpose of Growth Track is to help you discover and take a growth step spiritually and practically. We want to help you get connected if you're not connected. We want to help you learn how to grow spiritually. We want to help you discover how God has wired you and how you, you have spiritual gifts and also help you find a way to serve and make a kingdom impact here at Westover and in our community. You can either attend a Growth Track on-site or online. In fact, the next series of Growth Track starts next Sunday here on-site, 11.30 a.m., right in room 100. And you can also take it online and on-demand. Just go to our events page, either through our website or through the app, and register to learn how you can advance. Don't just be a swamp and receive. Be willing to give out. Be willing to be generous. Westover, you've already done that. But I don't know about you, if we're not willing to do that, we're not going to be able to see God work in the ways that we're praying. If we're willing to be generous, God will bless us above and beyond. And number three, to live purposefully, live a second mile life. Live a second mile life. Now during the time of Jesus, there was this law that the Romans had. And as you remember, the Romans were in charge of the ancient world. And the rule was this. If a Roman soldier came up to you and said, I need you to carry my armor for one mile, you were required. You could not refuse. You had to follow the rules. And this was a cumbersome law because you could be doing things out in the field. And if somebody came up to you and said, carry my armor, you had to do it. You had to leave what you're doing and go attend to that. They found it to be very cumbersome. But Jesus picks up on this, and he says there's an insight. He says, when someone asks you to go one mile, go the second mile. This is what it says in Matthew 5, 41. This is Jesus speaking, Sermon on the Mount. Whoever compels you, that forces you, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. For you see, the first mile is always out of duty. But the second mile is always out of devotion. Be willing to exceed people's expectations. Whatever they ask you, if you're on the job, if your boss asks you to do one thing, do that one thing and do something a little bit more. When your spouse asks you to do one thing, do something and do a little bit more. When your child asks for your time, give them time and a little bit more. Live a second mile life. For you see, duty goes the first mile and devotion goes the second mile. And devotion is the thing that changes people's lives. This past week when we were out doing the food distribution, I had some gift cards and I was handing them out to some people just as the Lord led me. And they were in line to receive food, but as I gave gift cards to some people, they started to cry and they said, why are you giving me this? I said, because God loves you, and he wants to bless you. And there was something special that happened in that moment, and they said, you guys are different. One gentleman says, I work right down the street. Thank you for blessing me. There was another man who had lost his job. He said, you don't know what this means to me. When you're willing to live a second mile life, you'll experience a blessing that comes when you go that second mile. Go the second mile. It's never crowded. 
people want to see that our faith is real. And if we're willing to go the second mile of life, they're willing to listen to the faith that we have because they see it's real. Duty goes the first mile and devotion goes the second. And here's the thing. Jesus didn't just say it, he lived it. He went to the cross for us. He gave his life for us. And here's the outcome that happens when we live a second mile life. Listen to what the passage says. Many will thank God for your gifts which they receive from us. There were people who thanked us for your generosity. And I'm here to to lift that up and elevate that to say, thank you, Westover. There were people who said yes because of your generosity. For this service produces an outpouring of gratitude. And because of this service, many will give glory to God. I don't know about you. I want to live a second mile life. I don't want to just do what's expected. I want to go above and beyond. I want to see God work. And so today as I close, I want to invite you to stand. Set aside every distraction. Set aside every to-do list. Some of you who are here today, if you're really honest... You know that you need Jesus. And you want to have a life of purpose and meaning. If you want to have a life of meaning and purpose, it starts by us saying yes to Jesus. We need to say yes to Jesus. And saying yes to Jesus is as easy as A, B, C. A, admitting that you need Jesus in your life. You need a Savior. B, believing that his death on the cross was enough to advance you and to forgive your sins and see confessing with your mouth from your heart that you want him to be Lord and Savior of your life. Some of you who are here today, you know there's a tension between where you're at and the life of significance that you know is possible. If you're in that place and you see that there's a distance between where you're at and a life of purpose, this moment is for you. So I want to invite everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. If you're here today, and you want to say yes to Jesus, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Yes, yes, yes. There's hands all across this auditorium. For those of you who raise your hands, this is the most important moment of your life. I want this entire church to say this prayer with me. A prayer of recommitment. It's not about the words. It's about you saying it from your heart that you need Jesus. Say, Jesus, I need you. I want to live a life of purpose. And I can't do it without you. I believe in you. Forgive my sin. Give me a life of purpose. I invite you to my life to be my Lord and my Savior today, tomorrow, and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a moment of celebration. If you've said yes to Jesus, welcome to the family of God. Church, there were people who raised their hands, both here in the room and online. And if you said yes to Jesus, I want to invite you to text New Life to the number on the screen or come find me after service. I'd love to celebrate with you and say welcome to the family. We want to encourage you to pursue God in all that you do. And now as a moment of celebration, we're going to go to God and celebrate communion together. So I invite you to retrieve your communion elements. I invite you to pull back the, the cover on your 
on your communion elements and retrieve the bread. This is a sacred moment, church. On the night that Jesus was betrayed and he went to the cross, he had a meal with his disciples and he had the Passover meal with them and he took the bread and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this as often as you gather together. So I invite you to break and let's take together. And after they had taken the bread together, he lifted up the cup. And he says, this cup represents my blood, which is going to be shed for you to forgive your sins and to afford to you healing. Some of you need healing today. And as you take this, say, God, heal me. Let's take together. Oh, God, we come to you. We thank you for going the second mile, not just through your words and through what you taught, but how you went to the cross to die for us, to give us a hope and a future that we didn't have to do life alone, that we could do life with you, and you would give us a life of purpose. I pray that your people would be blessed, that they would experience your Holy Spirit in a powerful way. In Jesus' name.